Hello, listeners, and welcome to the NK News Podcast. It's Friday afternoon on June 19th, 2020, here in Seoul. And joining me via Skype on Thursday evening in Los Angeles is my guest today, Hannah Y. Kim. The episode will come out in the week of the 70th anniversary of the beginning of the Korean War. So we're going to talk together about commemoration and remembering. Hannah Y. Kim is the founder of Remember 727, an organization dedicated to remembering the sacrifices of soldiers who fought in the Korean War uh, and the armistice that was signed on July 27th. 1953. She has spent a significant portion of her life honoring Korean War veterans and promoting peace on the Korean Peninsula, and as I said, is joining me via Skype from Los Angeles. Welcome on the show, and thank you for joining me, Hannah. Thank you so much, Jaco, for having me. This is a great honor. I've, uh, I'm a fan of NK News, so I am excited to share some of my stories of um, this journey um, that you said is a significant <laughs> part of my life. Yes. Absolutely. I did dedicate a third of my life. <laughs> so, yes, it is a huge part of my life. And full disclosure to our listeners who are listening out there on the Internet, this is actually the second time I've tried to start this podcast because the first time I forgot to hit the record button. So uh, many thanks to Hannah for her patience and uh, consideration in helping me to, uh, to get through this moment. <laughs> this is fun. This is very fun. It's only the beginning, too. That's exactly right. So in 2008, you were a, uh, a graduate student and you wrote to a democratic congressman uh, who happens to be a Korean War veteran to uh, to initiate some legislation to declare July 27th a National Korean War Veterans Armistice Day in the US. How did you get that idea and tell us about that process? Well, so you said he happened to be a Korean War veteran, but because he was a Korean War veteran, I had contacted him or he, we call it lobbying him. So um, yes, technically I am currently in Los Angeles, just here actually just to visit my parents because Los Angeles is my hometown. So back in 2007, um, I went to D.C. Uh, not only to attend grad school, but I had secured an internship there. So that was my first time when I visited the National Korean War Veterans Memorial. Mm, I saw that in January this year myself, also for the first time. Yes. And, you know, most and I, I mean, I know I'm biased, but I actually objectively many people do say that it's it's also their favorite uh, memorial on the mall. Um, there are 19 soldiers, statues of soldiers. Um, and that actually is because um, it represents the 38th parallel. The soldiers, when reflected against the wall, makes up uh, 38. And so I went there and I don't, I, I just, there's only one way to describe it. And it's that I fell in love um, with, with the, with the veterans. <laughs> um, it was very poignant. And I just remember crying so much. And I re also remember being very embarrassed, um, both as a Korean and American, not having known that more than 36,000 um, had died from this so-called forgotten war. And I was adamant about doing something about it. And so in my young mind, I'm thinking, well, what are some of, uh, you know, some ways that I could ensure that people remember? And that was the beginning. You know, I jotted down um, and got it published in the official uh, magazine of the Korean War veterans. And I wrote down three goals. One, 
was to lobby, right, um, the Congress to make July 27th the Korean War Armistice Day because the war never ended, officially ended, into uh, as a day to honor Korean War veterans. And second was to co- commemorate this day, whether the bill passed or not, um, with, well, I, I've i been now, this is my 13th year this year, hmm. uh, hosting a, a commemoration and a peace vigil. So the highlight of our annual commemoration is exactly at 7.27 p.m., we light the candle and pray for peace on the peninsula. And three was to collect the stories of the veterans. So going back to goal number one, um, I had strategically sought out uh, Congressman Charlie Rangel, knowing that he was a decorated Korean War veteran. So he not only has a Purple Heart um, because he almost died from the war, but he had led his army unit to um, safety from the attack of the Chinese on November 30th, 1950. Mm. He has a bronze star of valor. So I knew if somebody died, almost died from this conflict, um, he would be more inclined to support this bill. I basically now know, or at the time, knew that lobbying actually just means to bug the heck out of somebody or yeah. some people and convince them that, you know, what you're proposing is a good enough idea that they will not only introduce it, but also help uh, convince their colleagues, so other members of col- um, of Congress, to pass this legislation and enact it into law. And Charlie Rangel, of course, uh, still with us today, just turned 90 years old a few days ago uh, on June 11th. So hello to uh, Congressman uh, Rangel, if you're listening to us out there. Uh, I will make sure that he does uh, He does uh, get a uh, recording. The blessing, um, it turned out not only to be a blessing um, that the bill passed and President, uh, President Obama signed it into law exactly on July 27, 2009. So one, almost, you know, a year and a half after I started lobbying. But so that was a miracle, number one. But the second miracle was that um, by the time I had graduated from um, the school, and gotten my master's in legislative affairs, uh, Congressman Charlie Rangel's office um, recruited me to work for. Oh, wow. Yes. Yeah, so I, uh, you know, became his spokesperson and later his co- communications director. And then most recently, before he retired, um, his chief of staff. Wow. And so I talk about an Amer- um, about the American dream, right? Yeah. Now, does that mean that every year on July 27th, it's officially a, a National Korean War Veterans and Armistice Day? Yes, it is. Oh. And uh, you know, quite frankly, there are many almost every day. There's it's some day in America, right? Yes, yes. Those are unofficial days. However, right. this bill, what it did was to add this National Korean War Veterans Armistice Day into the uh, U.S. flag code, uh, uh, thereby making it official. 
And you uh, you started a, a website uh, that people can go to uh, remember727.org, is that correct? So remember727.org is actually just about, I mean, not just, right? But it's more a, a little more personal journey mm. um, from how I started the vision, if you will. So going back, let's rewinding a little bit, is mm. that when Congressman Charlie Rangel decided to retire from Congress after 46 years when President Obama was leaving office, I thought about it. And as I just, um, you know, I mentioned before, walking into the halls of Congress or walking into Congress, I should say the U.S. Capitol every day, I, I, I used to pinch my cheeks and say, how does a daughter of an immigrant family from a war-torn country, okay, become chief of staff to this legendary congressman. And I just knew that I had to put a pause button and fulfill that last goal of collecting the stories of the veterans because I was given so much that I had to do my part now to, I don't know, maybe give something back to this world because, you know, the Korean War veterans, like you said, Mr. Rangel just turned 90. Um, last week, so many of the veterans are passing, you know, um, each day, or it w- it got too late, not only for them, but also for me, because I'm getting older, too. Um, I just said I need to go. And so I visited um, all the countries that fought in the war, um, or I should say participated, because some countries provided medical aid, including the other side. So not only the United Nations, you know, countries that fought under the United Nations flag, but also um, the three others, which are... Okay, quick, uh, give us a listing of all of them. Oh, really? Yep, it's a, quick, a pop quiz. See if you can remember them all. Of course I can, because it's by the order. So I went to Canada, and then I, I went to um, Colombia, and then I... So I went to... Russia, China, and North Korea as well. And that's what makes, I guess, this journey a little bit different. And it's also about promoting peace. But going back to, and then um, all the European countries, so the Benelux country, right? Belgium, um, Luxembourg, and Netherlands. And then um, France, UK, Italy, Greece, Turkey. Um, also went to Ethiopia, South Africa, and just going to say also Suriname, which I went later. It mm-hmm. was a Dutch colony. So that's one that most people miss. I went to Ireland, both north and south and Wales and Scotland, um, just to cover all my UKs. And then in Asia, um, so after Turkey, I went to India and then I, I went to uh, Thailand and uh, Philippines and I went to New Zealand, Australia, also Japan. That's one that not a lot of people know. Either. Um, they pr- provided medical support and some sailors also. That's a secret. Um, and like I said, in Russia, I also went to not only Moscow, but Vladivostok. There's actually a Korean War Memorial there as well. And in China, I went to Dandong. There's a Korean War Memorial there as well and a museum in Dandong. And um, in North Korea, there's also a not only a Korean War Memorial, but there is um, 
a memorial dedicated to the Chinese uh, for their participation in the Korea War. And then there is a huge uh, memorial, I mean, museum, Korean War Museum, as well as a cemetery for the, their heroes, whom yep. they consider heroes. Do you remember the official name of the museum in uh, in North Korea? It's it's they call it like the museum against you know the aggressive uh, aggression. I think that's the uh, the the Chinese have a name uh, like that. It's the uh, uh, the war to help Korea and fight American aggression. But, yes, but in North Korea, the, it's the uh, the victorious fatherland war. Yes, if yes. I remember correctly, um, yeah. that's great. Now, what about the uh, the Scandinavian countries? They also sent some medical assistance, didn't they? Yes. So Norway, so Norway did Normash, right? Mm-hmm. And then Sweden, um, they also provided Swedish field hospital. Yep. And Denmark, Copenhagen, so they Jutlandia, the ship. That's great. So you uh, you traveled around uh, quite a lot of countries to uh, to visit all these different memorials and, as you say, to visit uh, and meet with veterans and to collect their stories. Tell us more about that. You know, the funny thing is um, a lot of people think that or it would make sense for anybody, especially one woman, okay, traveling to have arranged lodging, transportation, as well as securing an interview with the veteran, right? Um, mind you, traveling to what well, the fir- my first world actually was 27 countries. I added the UK country later, and then of course discovered like Suriname last year. Actually, um, 27 countries. I mean, I didn't have all the time in the world to visit them, so I I knew I had only three or four days in each country. The thing is, um, I also left Congress in 2000, uh, 2001, like first week of January, and I chose specifically January 19th. And I, I could be I could be very stu- stubborn about things like this. Obviously, my the organization is called Remember 7 to 7 because 7 to 7 denotes the armistice say. And January 19th for me. I just didn't want to waste any time after I left Congress because, you know, I just gave myself four months. And that was the anniversary of my car accident because I almost died um, back in 2006 on January 19th from a car accident. And I think that's why I have this, um, I guess, special appreciation for the veterans because they too almost kind of almost died. There's this empathy that I have to these veterans who they were very young as well. You know, we don't think about death, but we all came back um, knowing we couldn't take life for granted because there were too many people that didn't make it. And I guess even to this day, um, that's, that's kind of my guiding principle in life. You know, I live each day as a bonus day. And to make sure, um, you know, I don't take anything for granted. And so what I did was just basically book the tickets because knowing, you know, each country, I just Googled, you know, the country name and uh, Korean War Memorial. And I located, you know, luckily each country had one, at least one. And I just booked the, you know, flight to the nearest city. And then I started looking for the veterans. I started contacting cold mails, you know. I um, found, you know, associations online or 
sometimes, um, and this is how I know, um, this is why I appreciate the press and the the role of the media, because many times um, I was only able to contact or know about a veteran's, you know, existence just through a an interview article that, you know, article that I read and I would contact the reporter or um, ask around uh, whether, you know, they could help me locate the veteran. And that's how um, I just started my, embarked on this journey, not knowing um, the last thing I, I figured I, you know, the, the least of my worries uh, was where I'd be sleeping. You know? But luckily, um, not only was I able to meet a veteran each, uh, everywhere I went, but except for North Korea. So that is a country I was not able to officially uh, meet nor interview a veteran. Um, interestingly, however, so many people, um, well, actually, nobody knew that I was going to be going to North Korea. Actually, I, I want to save the North Korean story for a little bit later on because I've got that down here on the list. So just hold on to that. I, I have a yeah, I have a question. So you're a, a Korean American. When you go around the world to to meet veterans and thank them and to visit the memorials, are you doing that uh, as an individual, as Hannah Y. Kim, or are you doing it on behalf of Koreans or Americans or Korean Americans? I'm just sort of interested in how you situate yourself and your project. Oh, I love uh, two things out of that. Number one, for um, I just never considered this as a project, only because then I'm just I know I'm being very, I'm like nitpicking right now, um, only because it just became a it became a part of my life, um, my mission, if you will, or my calling. So it's it's still a part of my life. But uh, number two, the I made sure when I went, I that I came to say thank you, not as an individual, but on behalf of all grateful Koreans around the world. So not as a Korean American, but as, as a grateful Korean, because the reality is that none of us would be where we are without the sacrifices of the veterans. And I wholeheartedly believe that. Um, especially living in America, um, out of the more than 40,000 um, who died all, you know, in total um, under who fought under the United Nations command, U.S. suffered most, more than 36,000. So, uh, you know, we bore most of the brunt and to the American veterans, you know, because I'm also American. I mean, I'm uh, doubly uh, grateful. Mm. Now, I hear sometimes from Americans that uh, that Korea isn't grateful enough as a country to those who sacrifice their youth and their lives to fight for it. What do you think of that? Really? That is the first time I ever, ever heard that. Um, well, I, I think particularly uh, in, in terms of politics. So with regard to the current Korean government uh, under President Moon Jae-in, I have heard some people in America say that they feel that uh, the current government is trying to downplay uh, the role of, of uh, outside nations in fighting to save South Korea. Have you uh, come into that kind of uh, uh, into contact with that kind of conversation? No. And if if the people, some people are saying that, it's only probably because compared to maybe some other administrations, they may feel that. Um, 
but I can guarantee you I met more than 1,200 veterans um, around the world and just in America, um, 1,000. And every single one, every single one tells me no other country nor people have expressed or conveyed, um, you know, their gratitude, our gratitude, like the Koreans or the Korean government. So I'm not, um, I, I, like, this is my first time actually hearing that, but I would say only in a political, um, you know, context, right? Yeah. Again, compare it compared to others. A case in point is recently, I mean, even, even the Moon administration, I think one of the proudest, um, I guess, gestures, okay, that, or generous gestures the Korean government showed uh, was to send uh, the masks to yeah. all the Korean War veterans, right. not, if I'm correct, not only in America, but to other countries as well. Mm. Uh, that is significant. It was extremely appreciated. In fact, one of the um, grandpas um, called me three days ago and said, Hannah, you know, do you have a mask? You know, and I said, I do. But he said, well, I still want to send you one. Ah. Um, yes. And so I, I I really appreciate that because that makes me proud. And I another thing is that every single um, veteran. So, for example, um, when I traveled abroad, there in some countries, there were only one or two veterans and last few remaining veterans in that country. And so I, I would visit their home um, after and spend hours there looking at pictures. But every single one had, you know, not only, you know, plaques and medals from the Korean government and letters from the president that they, they would, you know, show and tell and brag. Right. Um, with so much pride. And they had gifts and i'm not talking about big gifts i'm talking about little dolls from korea and i can tell you that they they appreciate um they have appreciated from every administration so you know i am when it comes to korean politics i'm i'm nonpartisan right i just know from the veterans that they they really care and if anything they are so proud that because they left Korea when it was just, you know, war torn and basically everybody talks about only one bridge across the Han River. And now, you know, they say they even know better than I do. They say 16 now, you know, they brag about it. <laughs> and I can assure you many, many, many um, just feel bad that the other half don't have what the southern half, you know, has. So I can assure you they're very proud. Now, you uh, on your, your journey uh, around to all the different war memorials around the world, some cynics might say that you just wanted a good reason to travel around the world and visit 30 countries. Uh, what makes it more than that? You know what? <laughs> that makes me chuckle. And um, number one, if I would uh, have wanted to travel around the world, I don't think I would, um, any crazy person would want to do that in like averaging three days. My itinerary basically allowed me to um, arrive at the country, go to the house, the next day um, drive far out to, or, uh, to meet the veterans, um, and the next day go to the memorials 
and then probably um, pretty much the next day fly out. So many times um, I saw very little of the country, so there was almost no sightseeing. If there was any sightseeing, it was from A to B, like transit, uh, transiting from A to B from the airport and not to mention the jet lag. Uh, I Now I look back at it and be, maybe because I was three years younger, it was possible, but there's absolutely no way um, any sane person would even, I mean, that's just not a, a way to see the world. <laughs> uh, although, although I'm not complaining, it was again, I would do it again in a heartbeat. Uh, my body, after I came back, I naively thought, okay, I could go right back into um, normal life, resume life. Uh, my body did not allow that. I, I, it took a very long time for it to recover and regain strength. And by then, I got um, greedy isn't the word. I got more ambitious uh, in terms of, you know, it's like when you fall in love you you kind of can't stop you like there you you just want to keep on giving does that make sense um says a girl who's not married and single um so what i mean by that is i was you know i needed to go back to my career and i needed to work start working again and trust me um i'm not saying i mean i worked in government right mm. and i there most people actually raised their brows when I said I'm going to put everything on hold because yeah. being chief of staff to a, a, a congressman, I mean, nobody understood why in the world I would leave at, you know, while I am there mm. in that kind of position. But I just knew that if I didn't, I would not be able to take a break. I don't know who knows when. So. I knew I had to go, but going back to I uh, to what I mean by I got more ambitious is that I started getting a lot of uh, requests from American grandpas. So, with the American Korean War Veterans Association, I've known them since basically two thousand eight. I knew most of the the past presidents and um, the executive committee committee members and the board members, but. The actual chapter members uh, in, across the country, I I didn't get to meet unless they came to the um, annual gathering in D.C. And I thought about it. And because they were trying to build this um, wall of remembrance that would etch the names. Kind of, I don't know if you know, but the Vietnam War. Yes, uh, I saw that in, uh, in January in D.C. with all the names of all the soldiers on a very long wall. Yeah, that's a. Uh, I'm going to put a pin in that thought because it's very important. Okay. So I just want people to know that um, there wasn't, there is an effort to build a similar, you know, a wall that would uh, engrave the names of the veterans. And due to lack of funds, um, that was being somewhat delayed. And that broke my heart. And I thought, well, you know, what's three more months out of my life? I already, you know, gave five. So I basically decided I'm going to travel to all 50 states driving. Uh, and mind you, I almost died from a car accident. So I stopped driving for almost a decade. And I, you know, I said, well, if that's a sacrifice that I'll, I'll be, you know, making, then so be it. So I got behind the wheel, rented a car, and I, I drove 
And no, I did not go around the 50 states to sightsee <laughs> because literally I, uh, I went to the memorial, met the veterans. Sometimes I couldn't even have lunch with them because I needed to drive to the next city. I was in a very tight schedule, almost um, averaging like five, six hours of drive every day. So, you know, I this quarantine, being alone, actually, I, that was, um, I had gotten a lot of practice during that time because I was alone. Um, How did you fund all this traveling? I was able to do a GoFundMe. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't cover all my expenses, but it, you know, covered um a whole a whole lot i'll tell you uh family and friends who who've been so generous and of course supporters as well as and uh, people that have uh have watched me i guess and witnessed um um the the bill the passage of the bill and just you know basically see me grow i guess from a kid you know or in her early 20s to um where I am now and just believed in me. So I'll tell you, um, thanks to the generosity of so many people. So that's one. But two, there are so many angels in this world. I'll tell you that too, because I got fed by strangers. I got housed by strangers, you know, who actually really, um, some reached out to me hearing that I was coming, you know, their way and said, Hey, if you need a you know place to sleep, you can sleep at my house. Right. And that, as you know, you know, lodging is is a big chunk of you know any budget, right? When you travel, so I was able to um, make it all work. That's certainly true. Yeah. Uh, instead of just going to the countries that fought on the South Korean side, you made it a point to also visit uh, the countries that fought on the other side. So you mentioned that you went to uh, to Russia and to China uh, and to North Korea. How did you make that decision that you really wanted to visit both sides of the conflict? Oh, that was from the get-go. I mean, from 2008, when, well, 2007, I wrote a paper, but when I set out this whole vision of um, remembrance, recognition, reconciliation, and I said, those three will eventually uh, lead to reunification, or I guess the other way around, reunification entails um, those three. And to me, like remembrance is the past, recognition is the present, and reconciliation is the future. So remembrance of the veterans and the war. Um, but to achieve peace, we we need reconciliation. And because this war never ended, um, that that was been that has been difficult. But how do you understand the full picture? And me and you're you're a journalist, okay, right? Well, just so, a podcast host, really. I mean, but you are a storyteller. If you, okay, I'm. I feel like I'm a storyteller too. But I think a, a very important role of a storyteller is to tell the full story, not a partial story, right? And I just didn't. I, I just couldn't justify me um, collecting just the stories of one side. And from the beginning, my whole thing was honor veterans, promote peace. 
And I always say those two are, you know, just different sides of one coin, this puzzle of this ending this war. And you look and oh, this is what I always say, because some people don't understand how how like do you, are you glorifying war? Are you like, why are you um, trying to rehash the past? And I say, you know what? I think the greatest motivator to try harder to achieve peace is when you recognize how much blood was shed and how uh, how much sacrifice was actually made. Then you never want it to go in vain, you know, to be ha- have been made in vain. And so you feel more compelled to do something about it. And that's what I I wanted to show. Um, so I'm a messenger. I wanted to uh, thank, you know, the veterans. But at the same time, I want to come back with the message that look at all the sacrifices that the veterans have made. So at the very least, we should try just a little bit harder or at least care a little bit or very simply just at least try to remember, you know? Yeah. When you went to Russia, did you manage to meet any Russian veterans who were in the Korean War as uh, as yes, Soviet pilots? Absolutely, positively. And I have to tell you, I was scared. Really? I was, I was scared. Okay, that tell one... us one quick story about that. Well, so it was um, February. I remember it was beginning of February. So quite frankly, I don't know if I was more scared of the cold or him, but it was both. Um, I got there and uh, I had to stay at a hotel. So I rarely stayed at uh, a hotel throughout my journeys because, again, uh, for the cost. But in um Russia, you have to register, you know, where you're, uh, even in the visa, I mean, you got to make sure you do everything, you follow, you know, the rules. And so I got a hotel and they check each time you go in and out of the hotel, they check your passport as well and who goes in with you. And so, I mean, this is a crazy story, but I was able to get connected to a Russian journalist who is as uh, you know, crazy about um, learning about the Korean War veterans. And when he found out that I was, you know, looking for a Korean War veteran, he says, I, he's told me, I know, I know one. So all I am doing is trusting this one person that I never met. Okay. So, and so he's the one telling me or suggesting me to book at this hotel so technically, and I'm just saying technically, okay, if you really want it, if you was not a good person, I don't, I, I may not be speaking to you right now, okay? But, you know, we, we all have intuition and I figured he was a good person. Um, I got to Moscow from, I took a train from St. Petersburg and was brave enough to take a freaking train to Moscow by myself. <laughs> And I got to this train station because that's where we decided to meet. And all along, I found out then he does not speak English. Oh. Yes. So he was using Google Translator the whole time that we were messaging each other. Oh, wow. So I said, oh, my God. Um, so, you know, we're doing a lot of sign languages. And he says, well, don't worry. Tomorrow uh, morning when uh, the veteran comes, there will be a translator. So I'm like, OK, thank God. That's. So we had a translator um, the next day and um, I was nervous because 
what kind of questions do I ask? You know, would it be offended? You know, and I, here I am saying I'm going around thanking the veterans. I mean, I can't really thank him. You know, that doesn't make sense either. But I'll tell you, well, first of all, he, one of the interesting um, things that he told me was that, number one, so couple, two things that I remember very distinctively is that, number one, um, they had to sign an agreement, uh, that a, cons- a consent form. Um, they will not tell anybody about their participation for at least 25 years. He, he said to be safe, he didn't utter you know, a single word about it until 40 years. Number two, it broke my heart when he he re, he reminded me that, you know, just five years before the Korea War broke out, mm. I mean, the Soviets fought alongside America against, you know, the Nazis. So, you know, the same pilot that were literally flying together, shooting down other, you know, planes were now shooting at each other. And that's what war does, you know, makes the enemies out of friends. And I just, 70 years later, I just, I, I had no reason to not see him. And you know what? Even to this day, among all the veterans that I met, for some reason, he cared most about, he was most passionate about um, peace, in peace, lasting peace on the Korean Peninsula. He was so ardent and fervent about it. Um, I, we, we were hugging each other and just crying. And I remember thanking him. I, and I told him, I cannot thank you for fighting against, you know, South Korea or Americans at the time, but I want to thank you right now for being, you know, so caring and, uh, and for your heart, um, for the Korean people and the Korean Peninsula. So I am, his name was Vladimir and I, I just, I remember him so vividly. And you know what? All the uh, memorials that I visited, I took photos. And of course the video interviews of um, the veterans such as uh, Grandpa Vladimir will all be available for people to watch and see um, at koreanwarmemorials.com on June 25th. Ah, so that's going to go live uh, in just a few days. Yes. Right, so that website once again, koreanwarmemorials.com. Yeah, so let's let's talk now about uh, about your trip to North Korea. How was that? You uh, When you went there, did you tell them this was why you were there? Yes, I I didn't lie at all. I I know I, I was very uh, frank and very honest in my application visa application. Although many um, uh, let's just say tour companies refused to to take me on because mm-hmm. uh, I was considered high risk, but I was able to go um, with a company that with the CEO I've known for um, a longer period of time. Which company While was that? Uri Tours. Ah, okay. Yep. Yes. Um, so we worked on a different case before. Um, Thomas, Thomas Hudner. I don't know if you know, but no, he was personally. trying to go um, to North Korea to get remains of Jesse, Jesse Brown, first African-American pilot. So when I got there, I do have to say, even to this day, um, I haven't seen it, but I did record a video just in case mm. I 
didn't come out. I said, oh, wow. uh, I recorded one with a journalist friend and I said, just show this world yeah. to make sure, you know, it, it, it's on record that I did not go for any other reasons, no political, no religious, but just because it was part of my journey and I wanted to, you know, complete it, right? And how did it actually go once you were in there uh, and you went to the war memorial and the war museum? Um, how did North Koreans react to uh, to your mission? I think they were, they probably, well, they told me that they've never met anybody like me because number one, I was young, right? So many people that go as tourists, let's just say, are foreigners. Obviously, South Koreans cannot go there. Mm-hmm. But among Korean Americans who go there, you know, they're, they tend to be older, right? And they go for humanitarian purposes. And they are more Korean than American anyways. Mm. Where I am, I don't look anything like, I mean, it's just they, yet I speak um, Korean fluently. But not only fluently, I'm kind of well-versed in Korean history as well. So I would ask uh, many questions. And I, I too, myself mentioned uh, many times, it breaks my heart that we're one people, but we're separated. We share 5,000 years of history, but we've been separated for the last 70 years. So it was pretty emotional. I have to tell you a very quick story and something that happened in North Korea at okay. the Hero Cemetery. I got there and um, it was starting to get dark. Okay. So we had a full day. We went to um, the DMZ and I would I stood on the other side of the Panmunjom. That was very surreal, staring into South Korea. Later, I went to the South Korean side, um, uh, intentionally wearing the same dress that I had worn mm. on the North Korean side in hopes that one day I would I should be and all of us should be just crossing um, the, the Panmunjom, you know. Yes. North South border, not all the way around through China. But anyways, I got to um, the cemetery and I was lifting my arms to take a picture. Mm-hmm. I feel something slip out of my um, wrist and I always wear my bracelet, a little cross pendant. And mind you, I traveled, you know, all around the world. Yeah. N- never, never came off my wrist. And for some weird reason, it just slipped out of my wrist at that moment and it dropped. And um, the only thing I could find was my my bracelet chain. So all of us, me and the three people that were following me and uh, we were all just, you know, for almost 15, 20 minutes before it started getting really dark. We're just looking um on the floor to find this cross pendant. None of us could find it. Um, you know, you read so much, so many blogs about don't even throw away anything to the trash can. Just, you know, just don't. But the fact that I was able to leave my cross there uh, in, in a very significant place because I was praying um, for those souls there were buried. Obviously, they fought on the other side, but to me, it was just so sad what they fought for. Um, that they they were fighting against their own brothers, and yet we were still divided. And so I was praying there. You know, I'm a pastor's kid, and I prayed to God. I said, Lord, you know, I hope there's healing, and I hope there's peace. And I pray that for pe- healing and peace. And I just, 
even to this day, I, I, I smile when I think of it because I feel like my prayer was left there. Hmm. Uh, you you mentioned just earlier how you were you stood on both sides of the demilitarized zone wearing the dress, looking back, you know, from the north to the south, and then later from the south to the north, and you look forward to a, a time when we can all just cross that border. Um, and you also mentioned earlier that one of the the three pillars of your uh, idea of peace building is, is reconciliation. Uh, now, there is a, a group of uh, of women who mobilize for peace on the Korean Peninsula called Women Cross DMZ. Are you familiar with them and their, their mission? I know many of them. Right. And from their website, they, uh, they say uh, they educate people on the urgent need for peace in Korea and women's leadership in the peace process. They meet with senior officials from the US, South Korea and North Korea and other countries to advocate for diplomacy and a peace agreement to end permanently end the Korean War, not just an armistice. Uh, and they mobilize people across borders to press for peace, diplomacy and women's inclusion in peace building. Have you ever uh, thought about joining them or been asked to join them or, or how do their aims differ from yours? I think they're more, and I applaud them, and I applaud any efforts actually. Where you know we we all have to um, work differently, but we all work for the same purpose. Um, mine is very simple in terms of um, mine's more about collecting stories, and I'm just like I said, I'm just more of a messenger. I um, I recognize that these women as brave women who are more um, advocating. I'm not um, doing that. Um, I am a little bit, I guess, more because um, uh, I also I mean, they they focus less on veterans. They focus more on peace. And But like I said, I applaud all efforts where that where it uh, effort, these efforts lead to um, a little closer to peace, achieving that um possibility of us freely at the, at the very least you know meeting one another families reuniting uh, I, I believe in baby steps too you know in fact quite frankly I am not uh, in a place to say oh this is how we should achieve peace I'm just hoping that I could number one at the at a minimum, Hope that people remember why we should uh, work towards peace. Now, we're talking at a time when uh, things are tense once again uh, on the Korean Peninsula. You're probably aware that North Korea blew up the uh, inter-Korean liaison office this week, probably at the uh, uh, at the instruction of Kim Yo-jong. Um, you know, we're only a few days from the, the 70th anniversary of the war, but things aren't going well. So how... Um, yeah, how hopeful are you, and and what's uh, what do you have in mind for your own future uh, participation in that mission of of reconciliation? Long time ago, as I was traveling, I remember, uh, you know, we were talking about you know pushing buttons and rocket launching, and then later on there was a summit, and so many people said, well, you know, what do you think about it? There are some people who are very skeptical about it, and I, I my simple answer was, anytime we're a little closer to talking about peace than actually press, you know, starting a war. I just, I feel a little better. So while yes, this is a, you know, two step backwards from we may have been, I think it's still a lot. We've come a lot closer than where we could have been, which is, you know, again, threatening one another 
uh, pushing buttons, right? In that regard, I, I mean, you know, without hope, you know, we can't, we, we can't even try. And I'm just hoping that it's only because it's nearing June 25th, you know, they too have to commemorate it in some way, right? I'm just hoping that we keep, we just keep pressing on and we keep on pressing on. Yes. And, and all the more reason, thank you so much for saying this because, you know, all the more reason, just average people like me, we all can do something. To get involved in the peace process. Yeah. And we've yes. all got to play our part. You know what? Going back to the um, first story that I told or how I got here, I was in, in 2007, eight. I mean, I was 24. And what she, 24-year-old Hannah, thought she could do was, hey, I'm just going to see how I could help people remember this so-called forgotten war and so-called forgotten um, heroes. And look where I am now. I'm still doing the same thing, but maybe on a slightly different scale because mm -hmm. I travel you know, the world. But I know so many people. And, you know, you mentioned Women Cross DMZ. And there's so many other organizations and people just doing just wonderful things. But, you know, quite, whether it's quietly or not. But I'm all I'm saying is whoever is listening right now, wherever they are, we can all do something. And I'd say when I say something, I mean something very little. It doesn't have to be grandiose. Every little makes a mickle or something like that, as the old saying goes. Yeah, that's a, uh, a good note for us to end on. Thank you uh, once again, Hannah Kim, for coming on the uh, the show today. We encourage our listeners to go back and look at the web or go and look at the website. Remember 727.org and Korean War Memorials. That's with an S on the end. KoreanWarMemorials.com. Right, Hannah? Yes, thank you so much for having me. I am extremely honored and thankful because this is a very special occasion. It's actually very historical. Yeah. So, um, where will you be on uh, on June twenty fifth, on the seventieth anniversary of the outbreak of the war? Where will you be, and what will you be doing? I will go back to Washington D.C. I will be staying there, and on July twenty seventh, mm. um, it will mark the 13th year I'll be hosting an event so of course I'll be at the National Korean War Veterans Memorial Ah, fantastic a wonderful place yes which uh, as you pointed out all your listeners could um, um, view and watch videos from my website I have hundreds of videos from every country that I've visited um, so at the very least maybe just wherever you're listening tuning in from yep. just go your own country and then see what your you know what your country did that's a great idea and it's all been uh, interpreted into english yes excellent all right well thanks once again hannah for your time you've been very generous uh, today uh ladies and gentlemen that wraps it up for today's episode don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and also consider buying a subscription to nknews.org where you will find the best and most up-to-date specialist journalism on all matters related to north korea our thanks as always to james fretwell and chad o'carroll for facilitating this podcast, and to Arius Dair, our post-recording producer genius, who cuts out all the extraneous noises, awkward silences, bodily functions, etc. Costs involved in the production of this podcast were partially funded by the Uni Korea Fund, for which we are extremely grateful. Mm -hmm.